about God. Everybody has different giftings. I don't have that gifting. Jerry has a wonderful gift, and I'm glad he chose to use it this morning. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your peace. I thank you for the giftings that you've given each and every one of us. I thank you for these two children, for the life or lives that have been given to us. Lord, I pray for your strength for the families in raising them in the times that we are in. And Lord, I pray that as a church body, we would be strong in supporting them. And Father, I pray that I have listened carefully to what you've asked me to share this morning, and Lord, I pray that I would share it in the way that you would have me to share. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, this morning, I'd like to go to 1 Kings chapter 17. And I will try not to talk too long. I know everybody wants to eventually get out of here, but, you know, I am a pastor and I do have a few notes, so give me a microphone, put me up in front of a crowd, and I can talk. So I will try to go on. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. So who is this Elijah? He just shows up here in chapter 17 of 1 Kings. We don't have any background on him. We're really not told anything about him other than he's from Tishbe in Gilead. And he gives King Ahab a message. Now we have to remember that at this point in time, we have Israel's divided into two kingdoms. We have Israel and we have Judah. And Israel has fallen away from the Lord their God and is chasing other things, namely Baal worship. We know that the name Elijah means the Lord is my God or Yahweh is my God. Interestingly, Baal was considered to be the God of fertility and he's also considered to be the Lord or God of the dew and rain. Isn't it interesting how we have a man whose name means Yahweh is my God. And he's asked to go say something to the king of a land who has decided to worship Baal. And told him he was not gonna have, they were not going to have dew or rain when that's what Baal is supposed to be responsible for.
Let's read on. Verse 2 through 6. The word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. Elijah's going to hide. You know, obviously you give a bad message to a king that has the power to take your life. You know, people want to come after you. People want to harm you. So Elijah listens to the Lord and he runs. But it's not all bad for Elijah. It may seem bad. But he's getting meat and bread twice a day. We have to look back to the times that they were in. It wasn't necessarily common for the people then to eat meat once a day, let alone twice a day. He's getting two meals a day with meat. That would be more common to be at a king's table. If you were eating at a king's table, you would be getting served meat a couple times a day. So here we have Elijah sitting at a king's table. The Lord is taking care of him. The Lord is providing the meal. He is at the Lord's table eating. He's in a solitary place. He's out of harm's way. And he's being taken care of. He has fresh water to drink from, even though they are in the middle of a drought. He is in God's economy, not the economy of the world. doesn't matter what the economy of the world is when you're living in God's economy because God will take care of you. Let's read on. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please. A piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. 
the jar, jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends the rain on the land. So Elijah's in God's protection. He's out in this ravine. He's at the brook. The ravens are taking care of him. Life is pretty good. He's in God's economy. At least that's what I told you, right? The Lord's taking care of him. So why did the brook dry up? Elijah might have been thinking, well, Lord, you know, this brook you know, keeps getting smaller and smaller here, the water flow. You know, well, he'll probably open up a, a rock here and the water will flow. That's happened in the past, right? So he'll take care of me here. But unfortunately, we live in a fallen world. And when we live in the world, even though we are not of the world, the consequences of the world affect us. Things are going to come along that maybe we don't agree with and it affect how we live. But God is faithful. God is always faithful. And he had a plan for Elijah. And you know what? When Elijah heard God's word, he believed. And he had faith. But, interestingly, God's kind of got a sense of humor here. He's sending him to Zarephath. The heart of where Baal worship came from. And Elijah is supposed to go there. Now he just spoke against King Ahab and the kingdom that has switched their allegiance from their allegiance to God to an allegiance to Baal. And now he's got to go there. Oh, and by the way, King Ahab married Jezebel, whose father reigns in the region that God is now sending him to. Not a good mix. Sounds like a mix for trouble. Sounds like I could get myself killed going here. You know, why can't my people take care of me? Right? I would think that my people would take care of me rather than somebody else. But the Lord had a different plan. And the Lord told Elijah that he had directed a widow woman to supply him with food. Okay? First we have ravens. So Elijah's still living under the law. Ravens weren't clean birds. They weren't supposed to eat ravens. They weren't supposed to really be in contact with them. Because what do ravens do? They go eat from dead things. You know, they're going to go wherever and get that food. So they're unclean. Now he's going to an unclean country, dealing with people that you know, are worshiping this false god. But Elijah agrees and he goes. Why would he go? Why would he go to some place that looks like trouble? Well, we can look back and say, well, 
he had a positive experience before. The Lord was taking care of him. He had a message to give to King Ahab. He gave it. Yeah, that caused some problems. But the Lord still took care of him. But he had developed that relationship, that time, that understanding that God is going to take care of me. He had that food coming to him, that water. He had lots of time alone to spend with God out there in that valley by the brook. And he could spend time listening to God and getting to know God. He got away from all the noise of the world, all the problems of the world, even though that eventually they did creep up to him. And we can look at it and say, well, it's easy for a prophet to understand. It's easy for a prophet to listen and hear. That's kind of what we expect, isn't it? You know, we can put pressure on people like Jerry to come up and speak, knowing that they hear. But yet, we hear. What about the ordinary person? This woman, who is she? She's not an Israelite. She's not from the tribe of Judah. But yet, God directed her to take care of Elijah. She had to hear something. She had to understand. There had to be something in her. Maybe it was her makeup. Maybe it was she was just a compassionate, humble person and she saw some, would see somebody in need and would say, okay, well, I'll, I'll help them out. I'll take care of them. It's interesting what her response was when she saw Elijah. Her response, your God, wasn't her God. She did not know Yahweh, at least not in the way we would expect someone to know Yahweh. She was not claiming him, but she understood who he was. She could hear that little bit, that little tugging on her heart, knowing that there's something more. She had to understand a little bit about Yahweh, and she could also recognize what an Israelite is. She knew how bad off she was. Her response about the food, you know, only have a little bit left. We're going to eat it and die. She knew she was as good as dead. She knew her son was as good as as dead because there was nothing left for them. All hope was gone. You know, why believe this man who just shows up claiming to be a man of God? Why share that last little bit of food? I mean, if I think about that, if all I have left is flour, is flour, a little handful of flour, a little bit of oil, just enough to make a little bit to eat, I would be thinking of my children. I'm going to give it to them first. Maybe they'll have another day to live or two. And maybe by that time the rain will come and I can save them. But now I have a stranger that comes and I'm going to give them or give him what could sustain us for another day? 
you know, it really is an outrageous request. And then to say, serve me first. Take that and serve me first. Take what you have. Serve me. And when you're done serving me, then go take care of yourself. There'll be some food there for you. I mean, that's out there. That is really out there. Sometimes in life, tests come along. And this is a test. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? She had to take that step of faith in a man sent by God and show that she trusted. Remember when Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. A test, not the kind of test we think of when we have to answer on on a piece of paper, and now we don't even do that so much anymore. We all do it on a computer. But there are things that come, that come along when we have to show that we truly do have faith in God and that we trust Him. And we have to show that we're going to put God first. When we put God first, everything else will fall in place. And really, that's what she's being shown here. Put God first, and I'll take care of you. Put God first. Everything needs to be in balance. If we put God first, the scale will be, will be level. If we don't put Him first, the scale will tip and everything will fall off. We need to put God in the right place. We need to put Jesus Christ in the cross as our foundation and build off of that and have our life sustained before that. Because she believed and accepted the word, her family was also saved. Did you notice that? That it said in family, it's easy to read that and say, well, family, when you're talking family, you know, her and her son, right? No, it would say she and her son, or the woman and her son. But it said, and her family. How many people's in the family? It all depends. Could be your parents, siblings, grandparents. Everyone was taken care of because she had faith and believed and acted on it. Now she received reassurances from Elijah. Do not be afraid. You know, fear really is what the world operates on. Isn't, it? Isn't that how... The world operates. Just turn on the TV sometime and watch some commercials. A lot of them are about fear. You've got to buy an extended warranty for your car or you're going to spend thousands of dollars to get your car fixed. Oh, and if the power goes out, you're not going to have any electricity. What are you going to do? You've got to buy a generator. All these things are built on fear. Oh, we got to get this medicine, these supplements, all these things, or something bad's going to happen. Fear. 
And he's, Elijah's saying, do not be afraid. Put that fear aside. A man of God will tell you to put the fear aside and trust. Wisdom is listening to the truth. Remember, she had been directed by God, and she knew in some way that she needed to take care of this man. And the Lord's reassurance, I've got you, don't worry. I'll take care of you until you can take care of yourself. And the word from God through Elijah was true, and they had all the flour and oil that they needed. Now Elijah was in the house. God was with them. What can possibly go wrong? I mean, you've got a prophet in the house. Everything has got to be good. Look at verse 17. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. What in the world? How can that be? You've got a prophet, a mighty man of God living in the house, living under your roof. And this son dies. Hard to believe. Knock, knock. Who's there? Satan. Satan who? Satan that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Why do I say that? Why am I going that direction? How do I know? How do I know it wasn't just by chance? How do I know he didn't get stung by a bee and have ana go into anaphylactic shock? How do I know that a scorpion didn't bite him? How do I know that he didn't eat something bad? Verse 18. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Satan's there to accuse her. Satan will always come to accuse us. Satan is trying to pull us away from any trust and faith and belief that we have in God. That's why I say Satan was calling. He heaped all the abuse of her past, all the, all the things of present that she maybe wasn't doing right, and brought all this doubt and unbelief into her mind. I'm a horrible person. I killed my son because I did this. If I'd have only not done this. Let's read on. Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this, window I, this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord, replied, the Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned him to him, and he lived. 
Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Elijah had to confront his own doubts. You know, he thought everything was right, but he had to confront his own doubts that maybe God would be killing this son. He had to fight his own fears, put off any accusations he believed in that he had heard from this woman. And he cried out to God for understanding. He questioned God. But he didn't panic. He took his son to, the, to his room, to his room, away from the doubt and unbelief, and I'm sure all the crying and sobbing that was going on downstairs. You know, he himself, he knew God, but these are tough times, and sometimes those tough things can catch us off guard. And we slip into a little bit of doubt, but we still go back to the Lord. Elijah had, had to put his faith and trust in God and do what he was told to do. This is the first record of the dead being raised. You know, we can look at it and say, well, you know, it was kind of like CPR. Isaac, I'm sure your mom could tell us that this was, you know, probably not very good CPR, a good way to revive someone just laying down on them. But, you know, people might try and use that excuse that, well, you know, three times, you know, a little, you know, probably laid down on him hard enough to jar the heart, enough to push a little air in. But we got to remember, you know, we're in the Old Testament here and everything is going to point us to Jesus. Everything is going to point us to Jesus. Why three times? I don't know. We can look ahead to Jesus and say, well, maybe it's the Trinity. One's for the Father, one for the Son, one for the Holy Ghost. Maybe three times and Jesus arose on the third day. I don't know. We can't even say that Elijah had prior history or knowledge of someone else doing something, so he did it three times. But whatever, he listened to what the Lord told him to do, and he did it. Again, here he is getting involved with a dead thing that would really make him unclean. But he laid on this dead boy, cried out to the Lord, and the Lord came back to his life. I find it interesting that this woman presented or gave Elijah a dead boy. And Elijah, after the boy is back to life, picks him up and presents him back to his mother, gives him back 
death being presented to the man of God and life comes in return. Now this woman believed in a way that she had not believed before. She could probably be making excuses in her mind, well, the only reason I'm alive is because I need to take care of Elijah. She had a purpose. I'm taking care of Elijah. Remember, she had to serve him first. So it would be kind of easy to say, I'm just here because of him. Now she knew that it wasn't only about the man of God, but it was about her, a nobody. We don't even have her name recorded in the Bible anywhere. She knew God was there to take care of her also. Elijah, even though he was a man of God, needed the leading of the Holy Spirit to get him through the tough times. He had to hear And we hear through the Holy Spirit. He had to hear to go to the ravine, to be by the brook. He had to hear to go to a foreign country and be taken care of by a woman. He had to hear that that was the right woman to ask for the water and ask her to make the bread. And he had to trust and have faith. The woman, a nobody, was led by the Holy Spirit also, was touched in the place that she was at, and was moved. She gave up everything that she had. She gave up her food. She gave up her son. And in return, she received life, and she also received life for her family. They all received sustaining life. You know, today, four parents presented their two children to the Lord an act of faith, an act that says, and I'll read Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on until completion, until the day of Christ Jesus. Faith is what Elijah and the woman both had to operate in. Elijah had to go and do as he heard the Lord, The woman had to do as the Lord directed her. She had to let go of her fears and trust the man of God that was sent to her. This woman wasn't anybody special, but God talked to her. She listened and acted in faith. And because she acted in faith, she received life. Faith is our response to what God has put inside of us. Faith is that motivating force within us that allows us to do what we think we aren't capable of and takes us to the place of being all that God has planned for us to be. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for this day. And again, Lord, I thank you for the children in this house. Not just the two that were dedicated to you today, Lord, but all the children in the house. Lord, I thank you for the life, the love, the joy that is brought by them being in our presence, Lord, and the hope 
that we place in them, knowing that you have great things in store for them. And Lord, I thank you that you care about us, even if we consider ourselves no one. That you talk to us, Lord, and when we're listening, willing to listen, we hear. And Lord, I pray that we would all have the faith to act. The faith to act on what you tell us to do. Lord, that we would not operate in fear, but operate in the trust that you have, the trust that we have placed in your Son, Jesus. And Lord, I thank you for all that you do for us. I thank you for the protection that you have placed over us, the protection that we have to go about doing the things that we have planned to do the rest of this day. In the mighty and holy name of Jesus, amen. I thank everyone for coming today. If you had a word in your heart, For the Eisenhowers or the McLarens, take a moment to go talk to them and share. It doesn't matter what it is. It may be a simple word, one thing, one word. Just go ahead and share it with them. Thank you. Enjoy your day.